This is Todd Summerfeld. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS in Crookston, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you the update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. National Weather Service meteorologist Alexandra Kent says fairer temperatures are expected through the rest of the week. It looks like we are actually going to stay around the same temperature-wise. Um, we do have, we are expecting a little bit of a cold front um, heading into this evening, which will drop us off into the teens and low twenties, and then we'll kind of stag stagnate around there heading into next week. Possibility of a storm system blowing in with the new year. We are monitoring a system. Um, that could affect the area heading into the beginning of next week. Um, timing, track, all that stuff we're pretty uncertain about right now, unfortunately. And because of that, um, a lot of our forecast rides on the exact track that the system could take. So we're a little bit uncertain right now as to what exactly we could see, but there is the potential for multiple inches of snow, um, especially along the I-94 corridor and south. Favorable crop weather is expected for Brazil over the next two weeks. World Weather Incorporated says Brazil should see a good mix of rain and sunshine. Argentina, however, is at an important crossroads in weather. World Weather says Argentina will have good rain potential Saturday into Monday, but not enough to offset net drying with temperatures climbing into the mid-80s to mid-90s. Net drying is expected to continue through January 12th, even with occasional scattered rains popping up across Argentina's crop growing region. The corn market continues to sag following the wheat market lower. Bennett Consulting owner Matt Bennett says there's not much action in the corn market. Corn's just been dead in a doornail now. The, the trend the last few days for corn is that it's built steam throughout the day. Uh, you know, you're hearing, a, I think, whispers of a little bit better demand as far as on the export front. Uh, but all in all, I just think it's low volume trade, you know, and um, you're, you're seeing moves that I don't think everyone kind of, uh, I guess, predicted. End of the year positioning is also a big market factor. You know, there's people that, uh, quite frankly, uh, want to take positions off, you know, and uh, put that money to use somewhere where they can maybe avoid paying some taxes and then probably going to establish uh, positions after the first of the year. You know, you see it not only in the farm uh, world, but you see it with people with uh, large positions. So, uh, you know, I think that you, you can only expect that. I think, you know, there's been a little bit of spread activity this week. Uh, it seems to me like some folks that had been long beans or short corn uh, might have been buying some of those positions back. Uh, that was really evident on Tuesday, in my opinion, because uh, beans basically gave back all their gains, whereas corn uh, closed pretty much on their highs. And that's not typical. That's not something we typically see. Total farm marketing market analyst John Heinberg says the soybean market had a good move early in the trading session, but began to fade mid-session. Did take, go out and take out the recent high, that spike high from a couple days ago. Now we've faded back, but it's also first notice day for January soybeans here. So anybody's long January soybeans needs to be rolled out or moved out or risk delivery. I think that's coming into play. That's brought bean prices back down. But again, that Argentina weather is still the major focus there. And what's that doing with the terms of the soybean meal market, providing strength to that bean market overall? Thin holiday trade also a factor. Yeah, very much so. Very choppy. 
kind of two-sided and we're moving back and forth fairly quickly, just like I'm lacking those players. Teams are you know, out there squaring up books before the end of the year. I'm really kind of curious how things will just settle in here, and then let's see what we get on the first trading day of 2023. The weekly report from the Energy Information Administration shows ethanol production for the week ending December 23rd down 66,000 barrels per day at 963,000 barrels per day. Ethanol stocks were up 600,000 barrels to 24.6 million barrels. Several restaurants have filed separate but identical lawsuits against Cargill Inc., JBS Food Company, Swift Beef Company, National Beef Packing Company, and Tyson Foods Inc., and others claiming a conspiracy to control cattle volumes and prices starting in 2015. These antitrust lawsuits were filed in U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida on December 20th by parent companies and supply chain management companies for well-known brands including Arby's, Carl's Jr., Hardee's, Burger King, and Whataburger. The restaurant companies say actions by these packers violated the Sherman Act, which prohibits activities that restrict interstate commerce and competition in the marketplace. Widespread drought across the U.S. pushed cattle prices upwards as supplies tighten. RCAF USA CEO Bill Bullard is excited beef prices are on the mend after years of low prices. Well, the biggest win is that the work we've been doing for two decades is finally starting to become observable. What we have done is we've been working for two decades trying to initiate reforms in the marketplace primarily to enforce our antitrust laws in order to ensure that the marketplace remains competitive for independent cattle producers. The second thing we've been working on is to put an end to the globalization process that has really harmed the economic viability of our industry. And as a result of the work that we've done up until this year, uh, we now see two executive orders addressing these very issues. Bullard says limiting the power of the four main packers could help encourage competition in the marketplace and keep profitable prices stable. The first lawsuit, of course, is the big antitrust case, a historic case alleging that the four largest packers have unlawfully conspired to depress prices paid to cattle producers while simultaneously inflating prices that consumers pay at their grocery store. So the antitrust case, and now it's growing in, in size, tremendously because now we have retailers joining on like Kroger's and Albertsons and we have major fast food restaurants joining in uh, this type of litigation including Arby's, Burger King and Sonic for example and so the problem has finally come to the surface where everybody knows there's a problem. China will adjust import and export tariffs on some goods come January 1st to speed development and domestic demand, according to the Finance Ministry. Export tariffs on aluminum and aluminum alloys will be raised. The current import tariff will stay on seven types of coal until March 31st. As competition grows with the U.S. on technical issues, China will further reduce the tariffs for most favored nations on 62 types of information technology products starting July 1st. Reporting agriculture's business... This is the Red River Farm Network. Thursday, Ag News on the Red River Farm Network. Tricks to avoiding calving issues starts when you select sires. North Dakota State University veterinarian Dr. Gerald Stucka says the best tool the cow-calf industry has to prevent dystocia is estimated progeny difference considerations before breeding. I'll, I'll just say this. We used to do probably 400 C-sections a year in the clinic that I was at. 
most of them were in were in first calf heifers, but not all of them. And once we understood the value of EPDs, the number of C-sections done anymore in these clinics has dramatically declined. And that's a good thing. So use EPDs, especially on these first calf heifers. And so I'm not so concerned about necessarily growth rates in these first calf heifers. I'm more concerned whether I get a live calf or not. Dr. Stucka also says the myth that cutting a cow's feed intake to reduce birth weights is untrue and can actually be harmful to a calf's overall health in the long run. Don't ever think that you can starve birth weight out of a calf by feeding its mother less. That doesn't happen. You actually produce more calving difficulties by not feeding the cow right. And remember, too, that there's an issue we call fetal programming. In other words, what the cow sees in her diet and how she takes care of that calf in utero has lifelong consequences later on. So if you've treated her right with the proper nutrition during the gestation phase, that calf will perform better, not only health-wise, but productivity-wise. The stress of working against organizations trying to end animal agriculture has become greater due to issues facing society. Dr. Mike Siemens with Protect the Harvest says the work they do to protect animal agriculture affects everyone. I think everybody has a stake in what we're doing because if we can't keep the farmer, the producer, the rancher, the corn and crop guys going and support them, then everybody who supports that, basically the supply industry, will be impacted. I've been doing this for a little over three decades. I've never seen things quite as fragile right now as I have within the last two years, basically COVID, post-COVID. It's been a whole different game in terms of supply chain, input costs, and all the inflation going up. It's just been very difficult, very stressful on the, on the general people that try to produce food and fiber for our country. Seaman says Protect the Harvest works for all agriculture that contributes to animal protein. We work for the corn growers, soybeans. We work for the pork producers, cattlemen, sheep, pork. Um, eggs, chicken, turkey, you name it. Anybody produces animal protein for the general public, we try to promote a positive message for them and push back against unnecessary regulation and the, act the activist attacks that come to play from the animal welfare organizations, things like that, that basically have one agenda and that's to take all animal protein off the plate. Acres and Shares is reporting 123 American Crystal Sugar Company sugar beet stocks selling at $4,700 per share during the week ending December 23rd. So far this trading season, 1,748 shares have traded hands at an average price of $4,587 per share. The United Nations has named a new coordinator for the Black Sea Grain Initiative. A uh, Kuwaiti vice admiral will manage grain shipments from Ukraine. A former World Food Program official has been in that role since August. This humanitarian grain lane was established by the UN, Turkey, Russia, and Ukraine in July. More than 14 million tons of grain have been exported from Ukraine through this initiative. Firestone Ag Senior Brand Manager Matt Franks says fire, one Firestone location distributes tires made of soybean oil. Sustainability is obviously a very big buzzword for farming, ag community, and uh, you know we want to make sure that people are at least aware of the contributions that tires can have towards a more sustainable operation. Uh, the, one of the first things is that may, people may, may not be aware of this, but all the tires are our, our, our main uh, manufacturing plant for ag in North America is in Des Moines, Iowa. All the tires produced out of Des Moines, Iowa are, um, are produced with soybean oil, so that replaces the fossil fuel, so that's a good sustainable story that we have there. 
Frank expects a slight decline in tire prices in the future. Well, certainly tires have uh, have uh, prices have gone up, like like most things. Uh, you know, as, as our inputs are increasing, especially things like um, you know oil and carbon black and those types of things. Uh, those resources are going up. Are, they are reflected in, in the output of the tire prices that we've seen. So um, I would say that that going forward, I would suspect that we've probably reached the peak. And we're You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Minnesota FFA is experiencing unprecedented growth with a number of chapters being added. Minnesota FFA Foundation Executive Director Val Arsvald said there's currently 210 FFA programs chartered with more than a dozen schools working to add a program for the upcoming year. In the 30 plus years that I've been involved with agricultural education, I have not seen this type of growth. We added 20 new programs the last three years and we have uh, 12 that are working to add an agricultural education program for the upcoming school year, which if they add that, then they would uh, have FFA as part of their program as well. So within a matter of four years, we could very easily see, you know, 30-some new chapters that we uh, are really excited to welcome into the whole agricultural education family here in Minnesota. Arsvald says the growing interest in developing trade skills in students is sparking some of the growth. So I think that, you know, administration and communities and school board members, they recognize the value that our program has to help helping students be successful. And I think a big part of it is also that people understand that there is a need for students to come out of high school, go into the workforce, whether it's directly or after they've had two years of programming or training in the trades and other areas, as well as four years. So we're seeing people kind of recognize that students that come through agricultural education programs in the FFA, they have skills that are very marketable, very employable, and so they want that for their students. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. March wheat Minneapolis is down 18 and a quarter cents, 9.15 and three quarters. Chicago March wheat is down 12 and a quarter at 7.73 and a quarter. Kansas City March wheat down 16 and a half at 8.65 and three quarters. March corn down three and three quarters at 6.79. July is down two and a half. Kansas City, so, uh, rather uh, January soybeans are half penny higher now, 15.07. March soybeans three quarters of a penny higher, 15.15. Even canola is trading 1350 a metric ton high. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.